At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Good evening. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, and you're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. I want to thank our sponsors, Patterson Dental. Henry Shine and Vocal Dental Supply Company, along with Mr. David Wolf and his podcast team. Without their expertise and backing, these podcasts would not be possible. Last week, we had a guest, Mr. Norm Kelly, a principal partner with Practice Exchange located in Rhode Island. And with thousands of practice transitions specializing in dentist and optometry, I felt that this guest had enough knowledge and important enough for our listeners that we'd have him back to discuss in a little more depth. Mr. Kelly, thanks for taking time from your busy schedule. We appreciate you being on. Why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background about Practice Exchange and what you and your company can do for our listeners this evening? Absolutely. Kevin, thanks for having me. And Practice Exchange, we are a dental and optometry practice brokerage. We transition practices, basically. We're based in Providence, Rhode Island. We work throughout the country. We have over 3,200 practice transitions successively completed in our career. And we have a lot of knowledge in terms of when it comes to selling dental and optometry practices. Well, I can tell you that I have purchased and sold over 30 dental practices in my 39-year career. I had over 225 employees, and I can't emphasize how critical it is to have the right team with the right background and expertise to make that process go as smooth as possible. And your company 
certainly can do that. On our last podcast, you talked that basically as a courtesy, you could give almost like a flashpoint uh, free of charge. It wouldn't be 100% accurate, but it would give uh, that potential seller an idea of what their practice is worth. And during that time, you also suggested several bullet points that would speed the process up where the potential seller would put together the last three years of tax returns, provide through their software a list of insurance companies that that seller is particularly associated with, along with the services. To get a little bit more into the nuts and bolts of this, Mr. Kelly, is it important to know what percentage of revenue is coming from dental hygiene, what percentage is coming from dental production, or do you just look at one global number? No, absolutely, Kevin. You just hit a key point. Uh, Certainly, hygiene plays a significant part of production. So yeah, we zero in on um, hygiene, no question about it. It's a key component. Usually, we find you know a healthy practice might be in the 30 to 35 percent range, but you know it's a definitely a key key metric that we zero in on. You mentioned in the last podcast, Norm, that you felt the biggest mistake we as dentists made is we probably wait too long to pull the trigger and make a decision on a transition. And usually, if I understood what you were trying to say, is if you're thinking about transitioning or selling your practice or business, probably it's best to hang in there and continue to produce the numbers. Don't let your practice make a downtick where the revenue might be a million dollars, then it drops down to 950, then it drops down to 800 because you're reducing your time because you may be getting a little older, you may be getting a little more burned out but that obviously affects the bottom line when you're ready to purchase. Am I correct uh, on that summary? Yeah, I concur with that point. Definitely, Kevin, I see it on a daily basis. And it's understandable, right? You know, a dentist works for 30, 35 years, 40 years, and they're working at a certain level. And, you know, frankly, they want to kick back a little. And I think when you start to say to yourself, you know, I really, I'm going to start working less, enjoy life more. I think that's a kind of a time where you might want to think about transitioning your practice. And for our listeners that may not have caught the first podcast, if I understood you correctly, once you are provided with the important documents and information to come up with a fair appraisal of what that practice is worth, typically you can make that turnaround in a couple of months or less. Am I correct on that? Yes, we could come up with a pretty solid number in two to four weeks after looking at a lot of information. The request is, uh, it's detailed. And then what's really critically important is if someone decides to work with us, we create a formal valuation report. It's a comprehensive document. It's in the range of 30 to 40 pages and answers 99% of the questions any prospective buyer or banker may have on the practice. The seller Selling dentists plays an intimate role in terms of helping us create this report, and it's a very detailed document. It's very critical because in 99% of the practices that we sell, the first thing that the buyer is going to ask for is the valuation report. And then also when we work with the banker, the first thing they ask for is the valuation report um, because it's a comprehensive document 
and it answers a lot of questions. So that is a key part of the process as well. As far as uh, managed service organizations or managed support organizations, dental support or dental service, whatever flavor they're particularly using at this point in time, do you have direct connections with them? Are they reaching out to you because they want to expand their footprint? Or are you generally just dealing with, uh, let's just say, dental-owned group practices? I would say, for the most part, we deal with um, private dentists as opposed to dentists that um, you know want to sell to DSOs, for lack of a better word. We find with the DSO, you know, there are some practices that we work with that we do work with DSOs. Usually, they're larger, and you, you know, it depends on the seller, really. You know, you got one of two ways. Some sellers want to try to transition and get as much money as they possibly can. If they have a large practice, I would say anywhere from sometimes a million, more likely 1.5 to 2.5. If they have a large practice um, and they want to try to get as much money as possible, you know, then going the DSO route would be probably the way to go. However, there are some, some dentists that you know, might have issues with selling to a DSO because sometimes the model changes. It becomes not so much focused on maybe dental care and patient care, but it might become more of a, for lack of a better word, profit model. And that might change the culture of the practice. So really, we kind of go with which way the doctor who's selling wants to go. And that usually dictates, you know, the course of action that we take. As a general rule, I have nowhere near the experience and the expertise uh, that Practice Exchange has. But let's just say our listeners are out there and saying their practice collects a million dollars a year and plus or minus a couple of percent for the last five years. They've been sort of on that straight line. They haven't really improved, but they haven't decreased. Is it fair to say that they're estimated value would be somewhere around 80% of that figure? Or is that just a complete misnomer? I think it's fairly accurate, Kevin, to be honest with you. I would say between 70 and 80% depending upon the cash flow. And, you know, practices that on that 1 million level, 1 million gross, we find a lot of DSOs might consider them too small. That's a sweet spot for practice exchange. You know, I can't tell you how many practices that we sell that are in that, say, 750 to 1.5 range. They're very, very strong businesses. And there is a huge, there is a huge demand for practice, practices like that. Because, you know, a, a dentist who buys a practice that does a million, you know, they could be looking at making 300, 400,000, maybe higher in some cases, and kind of controlling their own destiny. And, you know, that's a very attractive opportunity for a lot of people. I'd like to take the conversation a little deeper, if you don't mind. On this hypothetical of a dental practice that's been collecting year after year a million dollars, and just as without going through this big ordeal at this point, Mr. and Mrs. Dr. and Mr. Smith are thinking that, geez, maybe now is the time. Uh, I'm getting a little tired. Their basic valuation is 75 to 80% of that number. Do you consider that number net of debt? And for example, let's just say the practice has $50,000 of leases. 
let's just say the practice still has a bank note on equipment and supplies of another 50,000. So when you come up with your calculation, do you subtract that debt or is that the buyer's obligation? When they purchase the practice, they assume the practice's existing leases and existing debt that's associated with the building and the use of the practice? I would say the standard is that the selling dentist is going to have to take care of those notes on their own. There might be some equipment leases that can be assigned to the to the buyer because the, maybe the buyer wants wants the equipment, but 99% of the time that that's going to fall on the seller. So they're going to have to pay off those notes on their own at closing. Okay. And in our last podcast, Norm, you mentioned that many of your transitions, which are over 3,200, which is phenomenal. My question is, do you also deal with the real estate component? And I believe you stated that many of these transitions are real estate related, and your company also has expertise in that area. Yeah, we're affiliated with a, a, a large real estate company who handles all our real estate. It's another division of our company for this sole purpose. It, it has a national reach. Uh, so we're able to sell real estate associated in any state in the country. You know, it's certainly a big part of our business. And, you know, lots of times the seller wants to kind of close out on both at closing. And as I said earlier, I think the person that's going to give that selling dentist the most money for their condo or building is the dentist that's buying the practice. Because let's face it, to outfit a dental practice is a very costly endeavor. So if it's actually plumbed and ready for another dentist, that's who's going to give you the most money for it. So we recognized this years ago. So we started a real estate unit to our company and you know it's quite successful. All right. Uh, Mr. Kelly, as far as practice exchange goes, As a general rule in your industry, working as a broker, primarily working for the seller, but as you stated in a previous podcast, you're basically a non-adversarial approach. The data is the data, the numbers are the numbers, and if those numbers are fair, then it's equitable for the buyer and the seller. Is there a standard commission on that purchase and sale? Is it 2%? Is it 12%? Is it 20%? What would be the standard in your industry? Or is it based on the actual number? The more hours, the more expertise and more time may be spent with a $5 million practice compared to a $500,000 practice. Does that rate slide? What's the standard in your industry? I would say 10% of the sales price is the standard. That's something that we try to try to achieve. I will say this, we only get paid unless we bring a deal to closing. In other words, the seller and the buyer sign a purchase and sales agreement, then usually we get our fee. Everything that we do if we don't sell that practice and everything we do, we don't get anything. So we, and, and it's a flat fee. I will say there are instances where we deal with large practices that there'll be a little bit of a sliding scale off that 10%. So I think 10 is the standard in the industry. It's something that we shoot for. And again, we only get paid if we actually consummate a deal. There are times when we deal with very large practices where we might do say 8%. So that's kind of our approach. Now, when you put this information together and using the hypothetical example of a million-dollar 
value for a practice. Do you break that number down for tax purposes? So, for example, out of that million, $800,000 might be goodwill and $200,000 might be supplies and equipment. How, how does your company handle those issues from a tax perspective? It's another great question, something that we deal with all the time. It's very important to the seller and the buyer. Usually, you just hit the nail on the head, Kevin. Obviously, you have a lot of experience in this industry. I think uh, usually we shoot between 80 and 85. You want it to be allocated into goodwill. Maybe 10, maybe 15 to 20% will be on the assets, the equipment, you know, the supplies, things along those lines. But we usually, I, I would say 80, 20 is kind of the, the number that we're, that we're looking at. We have uh, attorneys and CPAs on staff that have a lot of experience in this area. So we always recommend to the seller that, and that's who we represent, right? That you want to try to get into that 80 to 85% on the goodwill. It's, it's preferential tax uh, treatment for them that way. I want to say, Mr. Kelly, thank you again for another podcast with some excellent information. Could you tell our listeners how they could reach out to you if they have particular questions or they're sort of searching? They think it might be time. And if I remember correctly from our last podcast, you said something that stuck with me. If our listeners are out there saying, you know what, I'm getting a little tired, I'm getting a little burned out. Before you put the brakes on yourself and your business, consider making that transition because you might as well sell at a high point rather than a low point. And generally, if you're asking yourself those questions, it's in most cases time to perhaps take the steps and reach out to a company that has uh, decades of experience and over 3,200 uh, successful transactions. How do they reach out to you, Mr. Kelly? I say the best way to get us is through our website, uh, www.practice-exchange.com. Also, my email address is norm at practice-exchange.com. Feel free to reach out to me that way as well. We'd be most happy to uh, talk to anyone for that matter. Well, Mr. Kelly, I know of your practice exchange. I know of the people associated with it. And that's why I had you on the podcast. I believe myself, our listeners gathered great information. The fact that you're right here in the Rhode Island area and you've been doing it for decades indicates that you've been successful in what you're doing. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending your time and your expertise with myself and my listeners. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, training, education, and background. I want to remind the listeners that if you're trying to reach uh, Mr. Kelly and Practice Exchange, these podcasts are available on Ascent Dental Solutions, and they're there for you to listen at your pleasure, but also to get that information that you may have missed if you're riding in your car, et cetera, et cetera. I want to thank our sponsors, Patterson Dental, Henry Shine, and Vocal Dental Supply. And again, a nice shout out to David Wolf and his podcast team. Without their expertise and backing, these podcasts would not be possible. Mr. Kelly, thanks so much again, and a good luck to you and Practice Exchange. Uh, keep up the great work, and thanks to our listeners. Again, my name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. I look forward to talking to you in the near future.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.